Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast and joining me for our Texans postgame is Sports Radio 610's Sean Bajani, back and better than ever. And Sean, I'm still fighting some depression after getting no LaDamian. Uh, I said this right, LaDamian Tomlinson Pierce Friday night. No, None of him, and, and he looked like that that first game. Dude, I haven't heard that one yet. Like you, you're like, wait, you made me think a little bit. Ladamian Pierce, okay, yeah. You know, here's the funny thing: they were treating like uh, they were treating Davis Mills a little bit too much, like that star quarterback in Game One. You know, here's a couple of series, and that's all we need to see from you. And they're doing the same thing with maybe Damian Pierce in Game Two, but he's earned it, right? I mean, they've got a huge running back room. They keep him out. They keep him fresh. They've seen enough. They know he's explosive and they can be a difference maker and a playmaker for this offense. So, yeah, I had no problem with it. Selfishly, I wanted to see him just like everybody else, but I get it. The first game, I, I made the comparison to Barry Sanders, and then I started looking at what he was doing, and I started to go back to the uh, Tomlinson and look at his highlights and, and their style, the way they run, uh, the speed, the, the body shape, everything about them athletically. That's who he reminds me of. I know it sounds like I said last week, it sounds like a lot of hyperbole how much I love this guy already, but I think this is a legitimate. I, I haven't seen a running back like this, certainly in a Texans uniform. I mean, Arian Foster was, was a great running back, but he did not have the speed and quickness of, of Tomlinson and, and the, the burst that he has the burst from like zero to a hundred is, is really remarkable. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a good comparison myself. Like, you know, Foster was kind of like that special guy, you know, who he had a really good offensive line in front of him, too. You know, one that had built some continuity, um, unlike, you know, this Texans offensive line, which I think a lot of people believe, you know, could be if they're healthy, um, that that offensive line, it sticks around together and really strong for the next couple of three, four years, um, even though they've got some veteran guys like Cannon Tunsil on there. Um but Foster was very smooth, very patient. Um, you know, this guy, I, I see the patience, you know, in Pierce. Um, but one of the things that I feel like, you know, has been uh, the most eye-catching to me is that last year and really the last couple of three years, and it's been a while since the Texans have had like a really good back, they almost needed stuff to be blocked up perfectly. I don't really get the sense with this guy. Like he's got that ability to, um, you know, be so quick, uh, fleet of foot, lateral movement, and then can get upfield in a hurry. I don't think everything's going to need to be perfectly blocked up for a guy like that. So it's going to be interesting to see once the regular season comes. Yeah, and we won't know until the regular season because you're seeing a lot of these second and third team guys that get in, exactly. in these preseason games. And, and and he faced some of that his first game because he was not the starter. It was Marlon Mack. We got to remember that. But I'm telling you, I loved what I saw. I heard great things about him. Everybody's talking about him at camp, so I'm looking forward to it. Let's go through this drive-by-drive. Drive. First drive for the Texans on defense, three and out. Great man coverage by Jalen Petrie. Unfortunately, special teams offsides by Daria Ogunbowale ends up keeping the drive going. But again, a little flash by Petrie there on, on that play. And then Christian Kers Kirksey, uh, sack. And then Grenard with great pressure on third down and Sean, Jonathan Grenard could have a huge breakout year. He looked fantastic, had a sack on the Rams third possession too. 
you got to love what you're seeing from him. Yeah, I do. Um, you know, he's supposed to be one of those guys. Uh, we've seen his athleticism, his playmaking ability. Some guys like Grenard and Okoronkwo, especially uh, this camp and in these first couple of preseason games, they just swarm the football. You know, uh, one of the things that I've noticed um, and we've heard, you know, almost on the daily with this Lovey Smith defense in year two now is, you know, guys want to really create this identity for themselves on defense. And that is resilience and relentlessness. And, you know, if you look every every NFL defense talks like that, I'm really starting to see this on the daily. And now with these two two games, I think the Texans six sacks in uh, this game and you know, they got to the quarterback as well, obviously, in preseason game one against the Saints. I'm starting to see that relentlessness and resilience and that toughness uh, from those guys. And it's going to take a Jonathan Grenard. It's going to take a Christian Kirksey. It's going to take an Okoronkwo. Yeah, and you've been out there, too. So everybody listening, Sean knows what he's talking about because he's been out at camp as well. So he's not just seeing him uh, at, during the games. And, and on the Texans' first offensive drive, Sean, a couple of Good catches by Nico Collins before a punt at midfield. All I hear about is how Nico stays after practice every day during camp doing extra work. Yeah, uh, they'll go to the side field. <clears throat> Excuse me. They'll go to the side field, you know, with the other quarterbacks, Mills, Allen, and Driscoll, and they'll work some stuff. Uh, I've seen Collins. I've seen Conley. I've seen Moore. Um, you name it. All the receivers are out there doing something on the daily um, I remember covering practice uh, routinely uh, on the day in and day out when we had guys like Andre Johnson and even DeAndre Hopkins. Look, you're, you're great wide receivers. You're receivers that want to be great. They stay after. They put that extra work in, whether it be on the jugs machine, whether it be working, um, you know, timing, whether it be helping the quarterbacks with accuracy. Case in point, Jeff Driscoll who people have fallen in love with the last couple of uh, preseason games because he's led two game-winning drives. What, uh, what was it, three weeks ago, he broke an NFL network camera uh, trying to hit uh, one of the receivers in the back left corner of the end zone with a fade route, working passes over the tall screens. He broke the camera lens, and he completed like one of three of those passes. And the first touchdown he makes is to Jalen Camp on that same exact throw in week one and you saw his accuracy on display uh this past game and so it's about the extra work it's about timing it's about routes these guys put in the work and Collins is one of those guys that needed to put the extra work in with Mills because it's been talked about all offseason long how Mills really made it a point to create a continuity, a chemistry, build relationships uh, with all of his guys, in particular Nico Collins, because they need somebody alongside Brandon Cooks to be that deep threat, to be that guy that you have to have in an offense that is supposed to be as explosive and as dangerous as this Pep Hamilton offense. Throw up a ball and let him go get it. Put it where only he can get a football. And while Mills didn't necessarily do that with that first touchdown throw to Nico Collins late in the first quarter, <laughs> Collins did what I think we're all expecting him to do, and that's use his 6'4", 6'5", 215-pound uh, frame, whatever it is. He's a big guy. Go up and out-athlete everybody. Yeah, I'm going to get to that in a bit because, uh, obviously, that was an incredible play by Collins. 
And I've got a lot more to say on that. But let's go to the next drive for the Texans defense because we finally got to see Derek Stingley. First glimpse of Derek Stingley's potential in this drive. Beautiful pass breakup on Akers and man coverage. Then there was a Damone Harris sack that forces a Rams field goal. But Derek Stingley, you know, there was a couple of times where he's in the area and it looks like it's zone coverage and, and I just don't put it on him and forget anything anyway because he's a rookie. I mean, you you got to give him a break in his first game on, on, a, on a pro football field that he's not going to maybe be perfect in zone coverage. And I don't even know if that was his fault. It was probably other guys not being where he was kind of pushing, pushing. But the big thing is you saw what he could do in man coverage in this drive. Yeah, and that was the biggest thing, right? Um, I like this technique. Um, I liked his vision. Uh, I, I liked his concentration. I mean, all of those things that, uh, you know, you've seen on his uh, highlight uh, reel in his college film, I mean, was on display there in that moment. Um, you know, it's tough for, like, regular viewers, uh, people that just watch the game on TV, like, you know, you and I did. Um, even out at practice, you know, it's tough to see things because you need the all 22. You need to see if, all right, were they in zone here? What was really the plan? Is that on him? Is it not on him? Uh, I, I didn't like some of the stuff, but yes. Uh, dude has been brought along slowly. That was his first game action since September of 2021. So I expect some mistakes to be made, but I also expect to see uh, a special football player make um, you know routine plays look really good, and that's exactly what he did there. Texans second offensive possession, three and out, bad blocking by Max Sharping. Stop that driving until Kenyon Green gets out there. And he was finally back in practice this week. I'm scared about the left guard position. And frankly, I have no idea what to make of the old line since we haven't seen Green, Britt, or Tunsil. So, I mean, and, and you tell me, uh, is Lemmy Tunsil, does he still exist? I, 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 You know, it's always, well, he's not playing this week, but you be ready because he's going to be the next week and then the next week and then the next week. This Texans team with Lovey Smith, um, I feel like, I mean, and it just is what it is, right? He's going to treat some guys with kid gloves, if you will, and um, we'll see how that works out. I mean, there's every everybody, I don't care who you are, you need a little ramp-up process. And I think even your athletes, your star athletes, want that at some point. And Larry Tunsil is just quite simply going to be one of those guys that's not going to play this preseason. He is who he is. He almost has like this Barry Bonds feel like, I'm too good for this. Like, you know, I'll show up in the regular season. Like, let me know when the games really count. Well, they counted in the regular season last year, and, and, he, and he wasn't there because of the finger issue and a finger issue that took 10 or 12 games. Come where on. In the old days, it, you just tape it up, you know, tape it up and let's yeah, go. Yeah, but, I mean, Larry Tunsil wasn't going to risk injury for that trash season last year. There was no, there was no chance. I mean, that that if there was ever a season in the history of professional sports that was just an absolute flusher, uh, it was that for the Texans last year. There's no way that guy, the highest paid left tackle in the NFL, is going to waste his season and a year of health on that team last year with that level of dysfunction. Like, and I'm, I don't put anything on him. Like, I would have made the same type of business decision as well. And I think, who knows? It was probably a Texans coaching decision or general manager decision as well uh, on behalf of Laramie Tunsil. He probably didn't want to be out there, and Casario didn't want to waste him out there. That's just my opinion, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was absolute fact. But Tuntle will be fine. I want to keep him healthy, just like, you know, uh, other uh, vital parts uh, players on this team, you know. So I think he'll be fine once the regular season starts. It's just 
the question I've been asking all offseason is, have the Texans put Davis Mills in the best possible situation to succeed? And from an offensive line standpoint, I think the answer, even though there's a big question mark at left guard right now, is still a resounding yes. Skill position-wise, you have a lot of question marks, um, and I think it just remains to be seen. But I tell you what, it makes you feel pretty damn good seeing Marlon Mack's performance and obviously Damian Pierce and what they've got going on with the run game in conjunction with an offensive line this year that makes me feel that much better about it. Davis Mills, to be quite honest with you, has not impressed me so far. I don't know. Marlon Mack, I saw a lot of Bula Bula back, and if you're an old-school Oilers fan, you know what I'm talking about because Jerry Glanville used to always say that, but there was a lot of shaking and baking at the line of scrimmage that was not necessary. So I, I'm going to have to see Marlon Mack against some some uh, better teams, and I, I sure the hell hope after what I've seen from him versus Damian Pierce, the Pierce is the starting running back, and I assume he is, if they're like not even risking him coming out on the field in this game. Uh, the, the next defensive drive, Roy Lopez, most impressive play of the preseason, straight up beats his guy one-on-one for a sack. And again, Casario's first draft last year, you know, all these guys show flashes. They show flashes, whether it's Davis Mills or Brevin Jordan or Nico Collins. They're, they're all showing a little bit. Yeah, I think Nico, I mean, not Nico, uh, Roy Lopez uh, is the real deal. Um, he's got a low center of gravity. He's extremely uh, strong in his lower half. He's going to get a lot of push. He's, he's going to make some plays and help this uh, Texans defense from that nose tackle position. He's looked really good. Um, one of the things, and it's hard for me to watch offensive line, defensive line, just because of the camera angles. You know, the camera follows the football around. Um, but I really made it a point uh, this last game in particular against the Rams to focus on defensive line. And he didn't get sucked in and get too handsy with guys. Um, he he really fought the hands off of the offensive lineman. He took a couple of double teams pretty routinely. And I'm not going to say made easy work with them, but he found a way to get off, keep his eyes on the football and make plays. All right. So we go to the Texans third possession. Davis Mills still on the field. Uh, he played the entire first half. Nico Collins catch gets one first down, but two bad running plays and a Chris Conley drop ball ends the drive. N- nothing much of note on that one. Now, next drive, uh, Texans defense, another big sack um, ends the drive fifth sack of the game already. And lovey, 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 lovey. What he's done with this defense sacks pressure. This one was more about what levy drew up on it on this than an individual play, which is what makes me so intrigued now that levy's got a little bit more talent to work with this year than he did last year. Yeah. I, I noticed the creativity in, in the position that he was putting guys in to make those plays in the pass rush and just giving some different looks to uh, uh, Wolford, you know, at the quarterback position for the Rams. I like Graylin Arnold coming from the slot corner position uh, to knife in and uh, get that sack. Um, you know, with the safety, you know, kind of coming down and taking over coverage. And if that was, you know, part of like a mixed coverage where it was zone on one side, man on the other side, I like those kind of looks. Um, I think you have to be able to, if you want to be creative, you got to do it right now. You're going to have to show your hand a little bit because you want to be able to see if you've got the athletes it takes to run uh, some more of those creative type of plays defensively to really deke the offense deke the quarterback during the regular season. Um, And I think so far the Texans have really shown that they can be 
a, a very creative team defensively. But, um, you know, to be honest with you, while the offense is a, a, a uh, under construction, so to speak, um, the defense is the strong point of this football team. That's going to be their, their identity, and there's nothing wrong with that. You need a really good defense um, to allow your offense to get extra possessions, to get extra reps, to stay on the football field. So I like what I've seen so far from the Slubby Smith defense in year two. Okay, so the Texans on their fourth possession, this is as bad as Davis Mills look. A couple of bad passes on a three and out. Then the defense gives it back to Mills, but Rex Burkhead fumbles. All of that, I'm going to throw away the Rex Burkhead fumble. Uh, I want to talk about Davis Mills for a second because what I saw this game and what I continue to see with him is he shows accuracy. He looks good going right. When he goes left on the field, it is not good. And, and that was the situation that was going on last year. And there was a couple of times, Sean, where I just saw him flat out miss guys in the left flat. Once he got a sack, got sacked or, you know, had to throw it away. Or, you know, he's, he's missing the left side of the field. His vision to the left, his accuracy to the left. That's my biggest concern when I watch him right now. It's a really good observation. Um, you know, two of the most egregious, uh, you know, throws by Mills in this game did go to the left side. And I really couldn't tell. One of them was to Collins that I can remember. And the other one, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. But I was confused on whether or not that was a miscommunication if the receiver had run the wrong route. Um, as opposed to like, you know, breaking out, they broke in or they maybe should have continued their route, that type of stuff. And, you know, it is the preseason. It is still early. But as much as uh, they've been working on timing and routes, um, you know, this offseason and then this camp, I just I don't expect those types of mistakes. I mean, the couple of throws that Mills uh, missed Collins with, they they weren't even close. You know, they were bad. So I think there's maybe some miscommunication there. But good point on Mills, you know, struggling to the left. That's something that he's definitely got to get better at. And whether he does or not, markedly, remains to be seen. But um, I'll even go you one better. I mean, going to the right, he still missed some. And it wasn't on Mills. Janovich, I mean, hell, this day and age, if you're going to have a freaking fullback on your team, the one thing you better do is if you're going to be given opportunities to be a pass catcher out of the backfield, when the ball hits your hands, catch the damn ball. Um, he had room to run. I mean, we saw tight ends do this, you know, on those little uh, block and release routes, uh, you know, like a five and out or an under route. They made those plays. They're able to gather their feet, concentrate, catch the football, and get upfield. We saw it um, from uh, uh, Tegan Cotoriano in this game. We saw it. We've seen it in camp from Brevin Jordan. We've seen it in camp from Farrow Brown. These are all things that guys have to do, basic fundamental plays. And so, um, you know, some of these incompletions for Mills, I don't even put on him. I put on just the talent. But you want to see him be able to make those throws, and he certainly hadn't on plays to the left. And I still think he has a lot of work to do uh, on developing chemistry, even with Nico Collins and Chris Conley and Chris Moore. Um, just everybody. It's going to take a lot of repetitions with a first-year offensive coordinator for all uh, respects for Pat Hamilton, who hasn't coordinated an offense since in the NFL, at least since 2015 with the Colts. Yeah, and it wasn't just to me. He's missing left or right. So guys are, you know, the, the patterns or whatever might not be in the right place. There was a play with Conley. It's a, it's a six- or seven-yard throw, and he's three feet high. And you could say, well, Conley got his hands on it, but – 
I mean, he might've gotten his fingertips. I don't know it, but you can't miss that bat on a short uh, pass. Now Texans D I want to go back to them because uh, again, individual work, uh, Thomas Booker, fifth round pick knocks down a ball at the line of scrimmage. His name hasn't gotten mentioned much among the rookies, but the Stanford D lineman, man, he's flashed a couple of times in the preseason. And, and, you know, this is somebody that nobody's been talking about. Yeah. And I think Lovey's actually mentioned him, um, you know, uh, in a couple of press conferences um, and even after uh, practice and some, in some media availability, uh, while people may not be talking about him, the coaches are certainly noticing him, which is big um, and important. Um, I, I think, you know, the little flashes that we've seen from Thomas Booker, um, t- you know, the Texans see that routinely daily in practice, just judging by the commentary uh, that Lovey Smith and some other coaches and even players have made in regard to him. So he's a player to keep an eye on. Um, I forget, what is he, a fifth-round draft choice? Yes, uh, by the Texans this past year. So um, maybe not expecting too much from him, but the one constant I would say, if you really pay attention to what the Texans uh, are trying to convey is they're trying to build depth, um, you know, in offense, defense, special teams, and Thomas Booker, and I'll even say Derek Rivers can certainly go a long way in contributing to that. Okay, so now the good news with Davis Mills, that last drive, right before the half, man, beautiful throw to Philip Dorsett, incredible catch by Dorsett, keeps oh, the speed and bounce. Yeah. And then the throw to Nico Collins, you can say what you want to about what Collins did, but you know he put it in a place where Nico could make the catch. And I'm going to flat out say it because what I saw from Nico Collins in this game is the first that I'm thinking, man, he kind of reminds me of this guy, uh, New Hopkins. That was a little bit of New Hopkinsy in the end zone right there. That's pretty strong. Uh, I won't, I won't go that far, but I mean, I, I saw, I saw Nico Collins kind of grow a little bit uh, in this game, and that is, he's made, he's had a good camp, Robert. Um, you know, he's put together really. Um, you know, good day after good day. I won't say there's been like this um, astounding progression of improvement from Collins. He's just been really consistent this camp. He hadn't done anything remarkably special in camp. Um, and you, I, I take it with a grain of salt. Even when there is a defense in front of him and they're running routes and it's best on best, if you will, because there's not a lot of contact. But what little contact we do see, and that's predominantly the last 10, 15 minutes of practices when they're really working red zone and two-minute drill, um, that's when you see the most contact in a practice. And 15 minutes out of a two-hour practice on the daily is not a lot of uh, sample size. But he has looked really sure-handed. He's finished through contact. And when guys' jobs are on the line and they're trying to create a future for themselves, um, and I'm talking about opposing defenses, for Nico Collins to make the plays that he did against the Rams this past week, um, I think that's huge. It's a good stepping stone um, because he did both of those things. He used his athleticism. Uh, you know, he leaped up and made that tremendous uh, touchdown grab. Uh, he finished through contact well. Uh, he showed his sure-handedness. Uh, his route running, um, you know, for the most part, looked really, really good, aside from maybe those uh, miscommunications with Mills on the left side. I think they both came via the left side on those incompletions. 
Um, but he's looked really good. Man, you mentioned that door set play. That was – I got so scared that I thought he was going to be in concussion protocol after that thing. He took his helmet off. He was jacked up, pumped up. Um, boy, I hope we get a chance to see a lot more of that because it's plays like that that is going to make the difference between this team being, having opportunities to win, you know, that fifth, sixth, maybe seventh or eighth game during the course of a regular season. Good teams, improving teams, you know, can steal some of those games, and you have to have some of those special kind of plays to do that. And I think if the Texans get those kind of efforts from Collins and Dorsett and uh, even Chester Rogers, one of their newest additions who got his first taste of preseason action uh, against the Rams, the Texans can put themselves in those opportunities to steal, steal some games this year. Yeah, both of those throws, again to the right, again, I say it, Davis Mills to the right is right, and to the left seems to be wrong. I'm going to go to the second half, and Kyle Allen, Jeff Driscoll both look Pretty strong with their opportunities to play a quarterback. The first try by Kyle Allen, really impressive. There's a short TD to rookie tight end. Tegan Kitariano was the first time we saw him. We didn't see him last week. Even though it was short, I thought Tegan made a nice move to get into the end zone. Uh, you mentioned him a little bit earlier. A couple of final notes that I've got just from the game itself. And you mentioned Chester Rogers. Just recently signed. Look good on a couple of punt returns. Boy, the strip, though. <laughs> Easy Rams touchdown. That wasn't a good look. I don't want to see that. And then former second round pick, got to talk about him, Ross Blacklock, playing himself right off the team. The Elkins grad did something you rarely see, Sean. Two penalties called on one play. Same guy. <laughs> two penalties, one play, three penalties, two plays. Um, I think his days are numbered uh, for the Texans, to be quite honest with you. Um, you know, you're three at TCU. Uh, a guy that they thought you know they could develop, that they could rely upon defensively. Um, look, he's not a top three uh, tackle. He's not a top three end on this roster. Um, he is literally, as you said, playing his way off of this team. And uh, you know, if 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 at the end of the week, you know, he's traded, I wouldn't be surprised. If he's cut, I would not be surprised, and I wouldn't sweat it. You know, past regimes, they make mistakes. They miss on guys. Teams do it all the time. Uh, high draft picks, you know, college street free agents, doesn't matter. You chalk it up. Um, I've not been impressed with him. Um, you know, talking to people at practice, nobody's really been impressed. In fact, we've just been kind of waiting for that Ross Blacklock to take the next step. Unfortunately, he's taken his next step off of the team bus, and it might be to another team as a uh, free agent. So, I do want to talk about Chester Rogers real quick because you mentioned him. I know the strip fumble was bad on that punt return. I think it, that was his third attempt in that game. When he stepped foot on the practice field the first time about a week and a half ago when the Texans first signed him, special. That was granted after a week, a week of full practices, and so he's supposed to look fresher. He's supposed to look like he has more juice. The guy just simply does. He's fast. He's quick. He's shifty. He's shown good hands. If he can take better care of the football, whether it be offensively or in his role on special teams, which Texans seem to be pretty deep, you know, uh, with their return situation, whether it be kick return or punt return. I like what I've seen from Desmond King in that regard as well on kick return. But Chester Rogers can be a big, big help uh, to this football team. He's a playmaker. 
if he could stay healthy and take better care of the football, I, I, I like his chances on helping his football team win some football games this year. All right. Well, that's pretty much what I had from the game. And if we get some time, maybe some last thoughts from you on that. But uh, we've got just about five minutes to go. And I wanted to get into the Deshaun deal just a, a little bit because, yeah, we didn't forget about it. He got the 11-game suspension. Heard a lot of sports talk show guys get fake angry about it, Sean. I mean, seriously, did anybody believe the NFL would ever do the right thing with this? Shouldn't we be shocked he got more than two games? <laughs> I mean, really? I thought the NFL was going to finally do something. I, sorry. You know, look, th this is the first. I, you just, this was the first opportunity that they had with this type of case and there's nothing comparable. So like to have something so serious, so egregious on paper where there was so much smoke, but they just couldn't find the damn fire. Um, Sue Robinson gave this to Roger Goodell in the NFL on a silver platter. And you can't get a better agreement in the CBA and you never will see one again. I mean, my God, I don't know when the CBA expires, but if they ever change the language in this between the NFL and the NFLPA, then they're just ridiculously stupid. This is was the perfect situation for Roger Goodell to literally pass the buck. You know, they agree to this independent arbiter in the CBA, which in this case initially was Sue Robinson. She reviews, she makes a decision, she comes up with a recommended suspension. Roger Goodell can change it. He can increase it. He can do whatever he wants as long as she gave a recommendation of a penalty. If she would have come back with no penalty, no punishment, no suspension, Roger Goodell, you know, can't really do anything. Um, you know, his hands are a little bit more tied, but it was six games. Roger Goodell and the NFL initially said indefinite. They could have gone that route and they would have won. Who cares if this thing goes to federal court? The language in the CBA is so strong for the NFL that they could have fought this tooth and nail to the very end and they would have won just like they always do. But they went for the money grab. They went for the eyeballs. They went for the butts and seats. And they looked at it at the end of the day like, we get what we want, you get what you want. And at the end of the day, this is great for the NFL and the fans. It's drama and it's football. All eyes are going to be on this game the week leading up. That Sunday of the game in week 12, Texans and Browns, and people are going to talk about it the week after that. I mean, what more do you want? This is what the NFL has routinely done and will always do, and that is be the greatest soap opera in sports. This had a very Vince McMahon feel to it. This had a very uh, Don King feel to it. Like, we're going to take something that is maybe morally objectionable, and we're going to, you know, capitalize on it. The NFL, they, they look like, you know, yeah, six games, tap. you know, we're going to increase it by five. Bam, here's the gavel on that one. And, oh, yeah, Deshaun Watson, you get to play football this year. And, oh, yeah, we're going to give you the biggest fine in NFL history at $5 million. <laughs> but check this drama out. I mean, what more could you want? You're going to face off in your debut against your former team in the city that all of this crap happened. It's too perfect. I mean, I was disappointed because, you know, I went for a long time um, you know, this offseason, really the last 15, 16, 17 months, however the hell long this thing has been going on, thinking that, you know, ah, you know, we don't really have great facts here. We have, you know, a, a she said, he said type of situation here times 25. 
okay? But where's the fire? There's all this smoke. Where the hell's the fire? But the more I thought about it, it's like, hell, you know, when the NFL had been given the actual video evidence of Ray Rice, well, what did they do? They went from a two-game suspension to, bye, see ya, and the dude never made it back to an NFL field. I really thought the NFL had a chance to stand up for women here, you know, and I really thought they had an opportunity to to change the narrative. How many other opportunities is it going to take for them to realize and to get that they can do that and still come out on top and be the king? You're still going to put butts in seats. You're still going to have people watch your product. Maybe even more so if, in fact, you just every once in a while did the right thing and made a stand, whether it's really right or not. You want to talk about being the shield, being the hammer? Man, they dropped the gavel on this one again. And I was disappointed, but um, the Texans still benefit. They're going to be without one of the best quarterbacks, um, you know, for 11 games the Cleveland Browns are. Um, The Texans are going to get a higher draft choice for it. And the NFL is going to get what they want at the end of the day, which is eyeballs and butts and seats week 12. Yeah, you just kind of said in about five minutes what I'm telling you. It doesn't surprise me. Nothing surprises me. This is where we are with the NFL. They could have done four games. They could have done six games. They even shoved it in the face of all of the women out there and the fans by bringing them back for the Texans game, which is embarrassing. But I don't expect anything different. This is who the NFL is. Sorry. Same story. Different day. It's sad, but it's true. Uh, it's at Sean Bajani. I just want to remind everybody that you're doing a ton of stuff for Sports Radio 610 these days. Uh, go on their website. Look for Sean's stuff. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff. And 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 also as well doing some co-host work. And uh, we love having him on the show. And it's always good to have you. And another, I think, positive week for the Texans because not only did they get a W, but last week we saw, you know, a flash of Damian Pierce. This week, we saw flashing of Nico Collins. We might have a real running back and a real wide receiver. And that, to me, is fun. Thanks so much for doing this, Sean. Thanks, Robert. Appreciate you, man. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.